this is one of the lessons that I learned this year, which is silver bullets don't exist and don't try to sell a silver bullet either. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, I have to say to you, that is a nice looking hat. I thought you would like it. Sales Genius Network. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm a sales genius, but you know, I don't I don't know that I deserve it. Hey Hannah, what's our def what's the definition of a sales genius? I'd have to I'd have to go look. Oh, you have to have it committed to memory. See, sales genius is more about the willingness and the desire to get better, the willingness to do what's needed to get better, and the openness to learn and adjust. That's what Curiosity. sales genius is. Well, I mean, definitely curiosity, but also coachability. Because, um, you know, you know I, I've met great salespeople who, you know, it, they have one way to do it. That's the only way to do it. And, they, you know, they're profitable sales reps. Um, they're not what we call sales geniuses. So, you don't, see, you don't have to be good to be a genius. <laughs> it's very true. See, so that, that I, I had to make it so that I could, you know. I had to make it so that I could qualify. Because remember, I am, yeah. I am, I am of the. I always worry when a club offers me membership because I then think, wait a second, I don't, I don't think I want to hang out at a place that would, you know, that that would give. It's me actually going to let you in, right? Yeah, I mean, like they they clearly have to have bad judgment or bad taste if they're going to do that. Right? When, agree, agree. You know, when I asked my wife to marry me and she said, yes, I almost changed my mind because I wondered what, <laughs> Why what must be wrong with yes? her if she said yes. Right. Uh, so, that's a scary thought. So anyhow, anyhow, Mike, can you believe that it is like the end of the first week of December? I know. And we are almost out of another decade, which is kind of We crazy. are not almost out of another decade. This is, see, I hate this period of time in every decade because this is when everyone, and I, when everyone demonstrates they don't understand how the numeric system works, there was no year zero. So the 10th year was year 10. 1999 was not the end of the millennia. 2000 was the end of the millennia. So we have- So you're talking 2020 is the end of- Correct. 2020 is the end of the second decade of- this of the yeah, 21st yeah, century. Yep, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yep. yep. So everyone's out there saying 30 days left in the decade. Um, Spotify came out with their top playlist of the decade. And I said to somebody, well, what are they going to do next year when it's really the end of the decade? <laughs> so, so the good news is I thought it might be a good idea for us to do a little year in review. And, you know, if it were the end of the decade, we'd have to do a decade in review. That'd be a lot harder. I like that. So, so Mike, I thought, um, I thought it would be fun for everyone. I mean, I actually started doing this last year on, on the blog because everyone, you know, everyone talks about either, you know, what they're going to do in the next year. Like everyone's review always, they're always perfect in it. Yeah. So, so last year I wrote a blog, I'm gonna, I started our blog post this year where, where I shared you know, here were like the three biggest mistakes that I made. And here's maybe one thing that worked. Cause I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I actually had a sales coach who taught me this really early. He said, you learn a lot more when you do it wrong than when you do it right. And, and he said, you learn a lot more when you lose a sale than when you win one. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the same thing in anything in life. You, he said, you might, you the might more you fail, the more you can learn. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know, so, but when, so I think we learn more by, understanding mistakes that got made. And, and by the way, the other thing I learned about it too, is I think people are a little bit more honest when they talk about the mistakes they made. Whereas when they're explaining their successes, they were, you know, always oh, the genius, easy. you know, yeah, that, right. Then, then you learn, Oh, their dad was the prince of Montegascu. Oh, okay. I, there, there, there was this company when, when we were younger, um, and I was running a family business, like they were just kicking ass and we were looking at them. I mean, we envied them. We, you know, and it's hard for me to say, yeah, they're doing it right. And I don't know how, I don't know how they're doing it. Well, I learned he's the great grandson of the Tandies. Of the who? Of the Tandies. 
So the Tandys are the the family that started Radio Shack. The uh, Tandys are the okay. Tandys yeah. that started the Tandy Computer Company. The Tandys were like the richest Texans of the early 20th century. They were now, this is not to take anything away from his success, but what I realized was that like the first five years of his business, he didn't have to make money. The first five years of our business, I had to feed a family. Right. Right. And I, you know, that's when I coined, um, I, I, I coined the, the term, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done it. it. You know, when you don't need to make money, it's a lot easier to make money. Um, so anyhow. The rich get richer, the poor stay poor. Yeah, there you go. So Mike, um, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about um, what went wrong this year. Let's share a couple things that what went wrong. Let's really try to share like, what did we learn this year? Um, and, and, and don't go with Mike, you know, you learned this year just how good you are. Cause we already know that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then we'll talk about some predictions for next year. That works for me. So, and we'll share like maybe what, what was our biggest thing, you know, what are, what are, what is it that we're like the happiest about that happened this year? So pick one, you go first. So what were some of the things that I, are we, are we starting off with failures or are we starting off? You with, get to you know, choose. Kind of just lessons learned. You get to choose. Let's do failures, lessons learned. We'll just make that all one thing. Cause that's really yeah. the same thing. All right. Um, I think coming into the year, a lot of people, um, felt that that uh website chat was going to take over the world uh felt so much of it so there was this huge Wait, it pump a pump up of at changing fundamentally changing the way marketing is done um and there was a lot of people jumping on that train and lots of fomo going on and i feel like that has drastically drastically changed um, as far as, you know, kind of what everybody's thinking, as far as it's, uh, ruling the world and changing, changing the way marketing's done. Did, did you jump on that bandwagon? Maybe a bit? No, I, well, I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, I remember I got part of the beta when HubSpot was, was, was building out their chat. Who got you that I beta? Tried to, Who got you into oh, that Oh yeah, th you got me that beta. But what I did was I went off and I built a chat bot and I tried to make it funny and ask people, you know, do you want to hear a joke? And it, next thing you know, it does really nothing. And then I just greatly simplified it. Um, and so, no, I, I, I sure, I, I, I was like, you know what, I don't want to miss out on this. If this is really a thing, let me go invest a little bit of time in it and quickly turn my efforts elsewhere. Yeah, you know, that's funny. Uh, you, you just made you just reminded me that was one of my lessons from last year, because I remember we did actually we jumped into it. Um, I, I got convinced. Now, I do know some people that are um, that are getting a lot of um, a lot of juice. You know, now the, the thing that I think that gets missed. And, and like, I know, how Look, I'm not saying that that, that it's not a right. that it's not a valuable channel what i'm saying is the beginning of the year you felt like if i don't get on this bandwagon now there's some you know we're in a specific chamber um if you don't jump on this bandwagon you're just going to kind of get left behind um, yeah and, and and i think that on, on that on that whole chat side when you dig into those who are, who are getting it, you know, who are really making it work. And, and when I say making it work, I mean, there's a Delta to it. You know, some yeah. of, yep. some, some of the, the numbers that, you know, we we're able to attribute X millions of dollars to, to chat and our you know, X million pipeline dollars to chat. You know, we got rid of our forms. We moved to chat and chat generated X millions of dollars of, of, of pipeline value. And I'm like, well, how much did forms contribute to pipeline value the year before? Because I bet you a lot of that was just, you know. I didn't have another way to get all the right, right, so right, you right, sure right, it just right. replaced it. Um, so, so, like, I, one person in particular that I know, uh, you know, Remington Bag at Impulse Creative does an amazing job. As a matter of fact, I would um, I'd go so far as to say if, if you're at a place where you're serious about whether you want to call it conversational or chat or whatever, I don't like calling it conversational because I actually think conversational is above and more than chat, but 
neither here nor there. Um, I was talking with Remington about this and, and they have worked extraordinarily hard. They pay attention to each page. They've got, um, they've, they've learned a lot, you know, initially through trial and error and, and, and things like that. So there's, there's a whole heavy lift that, that went into making that work. And, and, you know, now they're on the other side of that, of that lift. And so now they do some small thing and you hear about the result that they get and you're like, well, you know, I need, you know, I'm missing out except for the fact that, well, you're not going to get that result if you don't take that level of lift. And so, you know, it is, it is that question, which really kind of gets into one of my lessons. We'll ping pong back and forth on this for a little bit. Um, so last year, our company um, uh, theme was clarity. And, and so we started off the year and I gave everybody AirPods, right? Yeah. That was the cool hot thing. That was the thing. Um, and, and we did a lot of, like, we, we, we made a lot of really good progress um, around clarity. This year, our theme's been alignment, right? Um, and I got to tell you, Alignment sounds nice, right? It is a bitch. Well, expand on what expand on what you mean by alignment. Um. Well, uh, you know the 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 probably the best visual of alignment that I can give is a high performance eight man crew team. Mm -hmm. It's eight peop eight individual people. Rowing at the same different speed. different sizes, shapes, and biomechanics, rowing as one person. So, the um, the Blue Angels, there's alignment, right? There's you know in the Blue Angels, the only time you talk is when something's wrong, right? Because silence means everything's where it's supposed to be, you know, and and um, you know it's called silent contracts, right? And and you know, a, a lot of the problem that we have is, you know, when we're, when we're, hey, just want to let you know everything's going fine and this is great. We hear so much noise that all of a sudden you can't hear when something needs to be heard. And so, you know, we've got a team-based approach. We, we've got a, a, a theory behind um, domain expertise. It's like, I don't want my project manager to be my content expert. I don't want, I don't want the demand generation managers like we don't i don't like the account manager is also the implementer because because yeah. you know project management is about restraining and scope and order and demand generation is about what's possible so um you know creative tension creates you know more power it's you know that that and so you need you, you need alignment for that Right. So that when this person talks and this person talks and, and this happens and that happens, we're all, we, you're, you're all making the same read. Um, you know, the new England Patriot, probably not this year as much, or, uh, you know, it, it's pretty funny. They've lost two games and people talk about the Patriots. Like, um, you know, Tom Brady, how bad they are. I don't mind. I, I enjoy reading the articles that he's gone to hell, yeah. but it's like, maybe we're overreacting. Um, but you know that you know a football team that everyone has to make their individual reads, but still, you know, know where the other person is going to be and how they're going to be there. That that's alignment, right? And so here I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example of alignment. The Washington Nationals. <laughs> I had to bring that one up. There you go. That, that, that was one of my. So you took away you took away my my um, happiest moment of the year. Um, so. The, the thing that was interesting was, you know, clarity was this pretty straightforward journey. We got better at communicating. We, we realized what we weren't communicating. We came into this year with a focus on alignment and we were seeing the same thing happen. It was nice progress. Everything was good. We were probably three to four months into it. And like all of a sudden it felt like we didn't know what the hell we were doing. That's how I felt. Like it was like, where's this coming from? What's that? Um, how are we regressing? And what I realized is we weren't regressing. What was happening was we were now becoming aware of a whole bunch of things we weren't aware of. Um, we, be we became aware, you know, there, there's a phrase, there's a quote that I love, um, great communication is not communicating so that you can be understood. It's communicating so that you can't be misunderstood. Yeah. Well, 
we started seeing suddenly all the places where you thought you communicated clearly. I thought I communicated clearly. We both left with very clear, very clear, very certain pictures of what was supposed to happen. And holy cow, the fact that we were in the same planet, let alone the same conversation, <laughs> you would never have been able to predict. And, and there's just so many little things. Um, and so I learned, I learned why big companies sometimes look like they move slower, right? Because I always used to say, small companies, we're agile, we're flexible, we move. Big companies take forever. They're, you know, they're ocean liners. It, but I've come to understand there's a whole staging. Like when you want to make a change, right? when you're a small company and you notice a problem, you say, we want to fix it. Let's fix it. Yep. And so you go, fix it. And so that means... You fix it now, which means you're going to try to throw all kinds of change, even though you don't realize it's that big of change. And then you got all these dynamics that, 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 that work against it. And it's like, we're finishing this year stronger within client relationships than we've ever been. We've got, um, as a matter of fact, more than half of our client base has expanded their relationship with us in the last 45 days. Um, I don't think we've ever had a two-year period where half, like, actually, I don't think we've ever had until this year, half of our clients expand. <laughs> you know, and there was always that theory of, we'll do this, we'll do great work, and then we'll, you know, and it never happened. Now, I know one of the things that happened this year is I just stopped, like, that stopped being an objective, and it became, guys, let's just, you know, let's make sure we're we're doing the work we're supposed to be doing. We We changed some of our pricing so that, Hey, let's go in to do it right from the beginning, as opposed to this idea of we'll we'll get it, you know, make it easier to come in and um and we'll expand it later. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and so all of a sudden we didn't focus on the expansion, but we you know, this got deeper that led to that problem, that led to here's how we could solve this, that led to here. And and some of it was we moved like we would come up with initiatives to increase our ability to expand. And we would go into, okay, here's the initiative, let's implement. And it would just never stick. When you slow it down, sometimes you go a whole lot faster. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so there's a, we talk about alignment. We talk about empowerment. We talk about all those things and they feel really good. They make sense. You know, I think on one of our previous podcasts, I talked about the fact, you know, we're really good at putting one fit one foot in the new world, but we're really bad at taking the other foot, you know, the other foot out of the old one. There, there, there's a lot of that that's there. It's like, you know what? You know, chat does represent a good opportunity in the right place, as does everything else, if you're willing to put the work in. Yep. Um, and, and so what you've got to do, um, I used to call it a decade ago, I'm, get, I'm getting to bring back a, a term I use, I call them teenage solutions. Teenage solutions are filled with, with power, passion, energy. They're exciting and they ultimately go nowhere. Right. And, and so they're, they're half solutions. Uh, I was talking about this with Jess the other day. The problem with half solutions is you get a bump, right? You do this, we implement this first new campaign to test it. And all of a sudden you close a $3 million account because of it. Yep. Right. And you're like, Oh yeah, look at that. That's great. And then now it's like, okay, here's now, here's what we need to do next. And you're like, what do you mean? We're getting, we, we just started. We got a $3 million account. Why, why do we even have to do anything else? Let's just keep doing this. And, and the problem is you got that bomb, but, but what you, what you've done is you've added one more thing to do. Right. And, and you've added a bit of complexity and, but, but you haven't operationalized it. You haven't institutionalized it. And so it's still really unstable. It's a teenager filled with energy and then they pass out, right? They're all filled with piss and vinegar and they pass out, right? That's, you, you know what I mean? That's what happens. Yeah. How many That's solutions do businesses, they start, you know. So what happens is they see the upside. It begins to reduce a little bit of the pain. The pain's not driving it. Then they jump to try to solve the next thing because the previous pain wasn't there anymore but they never actually fixed it. They didn't go all the way through. And then now they're working on two or three things, none of which are work. And they get to the point, none of which are working. 
Whereas if they had just stayed focused on one, they would have thought they were going slower, but in reality, they would have gone faster because it would have gotten locked in that, you know, that, that moves that forward, so on and so on. And so I learned a lot this year about just how hard it is to accomplish some of those things that we're looking to do. Yeah. To build that, uh, build that alignment. That, that's, that's interesting because, um, and, and I, I was talking to Ivan earlier today about a, a, a very large fortune 1000 uh company that we we literally just brought on board and it was it was quite fascinating in the way that they're taking their uh or, or working on their onboarding and it's like one of those things where you feel like wow this customer is going to move really really slow because you gotta you know meeting to schedule the meeting to schedule the meeting um and so we finally had everybody um you know we're everybody's remote, we're, we're all in a, in a Zoom room. And so we go through some things and the director says, look, we've invested a significant amount in the software. It's gonna have to change the way that we, that we operationalize email. And she literally gave them homework and said, I want you to do X, Y, and Z of everything that Mike just showed, go in and I want you to prove to me that you know the software and after that, then you can start actually using the software. Yep. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is actually brilliant. This is gonna be a fantastic long-term relationship. And I had a conversation with her afterwards. And I said, you know, I've, I really appreciate what just, what just transpired because it's gonna make you more successful. It's gonna make us more successful. And it's gonna operationalize things where again, everybody wins. Whereas a lot of these tactics, and, and this is one of the lessons that I learned this year, which is silver bullets don't exist and don't try to sell a silver bullet either. Because I've certainly been guilty of trying to sell like, hey, this, this is going to solve all your woes and it's just you're going to turn it on and boom, it's going to you know, do great things. That is not the, the correct approach. And I would rather um, be upfront about that now versus three months down the road, have that conversation um, where it's just not, you know, uh, where the expectations are, are not aligned. And I, I think um, in the SaaS world, we, we see that quite a lot is people are making these huge promises without, um, you know, really helping their customers to operationalize things. Well, have you, I'm, I'm sure you've seen and heard there's this, um, apparently there are a bunch of SaaS companies that are raising prices on their existing yep. customer base for reasons that no one can figure out. Um, except that like, maybe they need to make money. Right. Um, and you know, the, the, this is where we get into the, you know, the conversation around friction, right? We, so someone once told me every, this seems to be the theme today that someone once told me. Um, every strength is a seat of weakness or another person's put it this way. Every weakness is a strength overdone. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we talk about make it easy to buy. Right. And, and because there's been such a land grab in, in that space, the focus has been overly on make it easy for someone to buy it's too easy to buy yep and and so you you and what's the easiest way to make it to i mean i always say you know from a sales advisory standpoint selling's easy just promise a lot and charge very little right <laughs> right now i mean so you'll be able to make the sale i can't promise you you're going to be able to make the the you know, you're going to be able to do it but um if it's just a sales problem you want to solve that's how you solve it well, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yep. And, and so you have, you have two things that have happened. I actually was in a really interesting Twitter conversation last night with somebody on this is, yeah, I mean, there's so many SaaS companies that their economics are just effed. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's unsustainable. And, Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, and, 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 you know, people legitimately, they're beginning to bitch about their, you know, they're finding, you know, the honey pots on the back end and, and, you know, it's, 
it's really hard to get out of. You're, you're, you're seeing these people go from monthly contracts to annual contracts and you don't realize that it's annual and, and, and you have like three day renewal periods so that, you know, you can not, you know, yeah, sorry, you can't cancel your next year's it's too early. Right. So then you call them tomorrow and like, sorry, it's too late. Your cancellation period was between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. Eastern time. And so, so I literally just got an email like that, which infuriated me. Right. Here's, here was the kicker. It's actually one of our technology partners. Did we, they have a pay-to-play model. I get an email. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, just trying to do the right thing here. Your period for, if you want to get out of the program was 30 days ago, but here's, here's your bill. So you really can't get out of it. I'm like, well, what? Not that I was actually considering getting out of the program, but the fact that it was okay for them to send me an email 30 days after the fact and then just say, here's your bill. You got to pay a net 30. I was like, you really think I want to continue to have a strong or, you know, develop, try to develop this partnership when this is the way that, that, that you treat me. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things that I mentioned that, that, that led to what worked this year was we made the decision and it hurt our growth this year. Right. This was not a good growth year, although we're actually ending very strong because of that expansion. But but we're in a much more stable place than we've been before. We made the decision that we were going to raise the price. Um, and, and it wasn't so much that we raised prices as it was if we're not doing at least this in a situation, then then we won't then we won't do it. You know, the number of times where, where someone would say they, you know, they were looking to accomplish X, we would say, well, you need Y and, and Y will cost you Z. And they're like, well, I can't afford Z. So we would say, well, oh, well, we can lower Z. We'll just reduce what we were going to do, right? But now all of a sudden, we're not really doing enough to solve the problem or to achieve the outcome of, of what's there. So we said, you know, we're going to stop doing that. And, yeah. and it also meant that, that we made it harder for people to buy because one of the things that we talked about was, look, I can't tell you where you're going to be in six months because what I can tell you is based upon your situation, um, there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know that, that anything I tell you is going to be, I, I know I'm going to get in there and it's going to, you know, and, and it's going to become something totally different. Now I know I could tell you, something. I can make something up and, and give and, you that silver bullet and, and six and, months and, from and, now nobody's happy. And if you're a reasonable person, you would then realize, oh wow, these things happened that weren't expected and and and, and we would manage that aspect of the process, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, look. Do you know uh, any of those people that are reasonable? <laughs> well, but you know it, I know I'm, 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 but, I'm being you know it's it, it every construction is company is built on change orders. Every contractor right. is built on change orders. Right. Um, so, the, so the person who comes out and says, no, we don't do change orders. Like, actually, I remember I had a, I had a conversation with somebody because they were worried that, you know, they had worked with some other agency before. And every time, um, you know, they wanted to do yellow instead of red, it was a change order. Right. Yeah. And I said, look, we don't do change orders. Right. So you need to understand the reason that this price is this price is because we don't do change orders. Yeah. And, and, and that means if we find out, oh, shit, we missed something. Guess what? That's on us. Right. Um, and I said to him, I'm like, and look, the problem is you and I both know, we only know about 20% of what's, what's there. So, so yeah, this price looks unreasonable for what we're talking about because we got 80% of, there's an 80% surprise factor that's here. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and what we're saying is we're going to own that. Um, you know, that's what everyone says when they're around the, the coffee table, drinking scotch, talking about what, you know, what they want in a provider, but that's a really hard thing to explain to your CFO. Yes. Right? And, and so we made that decision to say, yeah. And, and it was kind of interesting because our, our promise is we're going to make it easier for you to sell. And, and we're explaining to you, yeah, we, we've made the decision here that, that we're going to accept that we're making it harder for you to buy. Um, but, but in doing that, the people that are buying are coming in, A, they're more committed to it. B, they took a little bit longer to make the decision. So they're, you know, the ones who come in quick, leave quick. Yeah. 
see, we've got a reasonable um, set of expectations about what's required versus what you can expect. And so you have this vicious loop in, in, um, in tech right now where the vendors have been so aggressive and, and built their economic model, not on profitability or cash flow, but on, you know, it's the sports franchise model. Um, you know, we're going to go public or we're going to sell for far more than we would ever make in profits. Right. But, you know, that only lasts so long. We're beginning to see VCs going, wait a second. These uh, maybe we, sh right, right, these maybe we should actually look at their financials. Right. Um, maybe a 33% um, LTV, you know, CAC to LTV, maybe that's not good. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so vendors have overpromised and underpriced, which has fed the expectation, which I say to the buyer, what the fuck do you think? How can you expect to get something of that, that will give you that capability for X, you know, like yep. 800, you know, someone says to me, you know, HubSpot pro $800 a month, or, or here's my favorite. Actually, I was talking to a, um, I was hundred million dollar company. Hold on, hold that thought for just a second. Cause while we were talking, I actually pulled up the email and I not kidding. You got this email on October. It was October 28th. So exactly 31 days after the period of renewal. While technically the last day to notify us if you had decided to not renew was 927. Again, it's October 28th, was September 27th. It is XYZ's policy to notify partners with auto renewal agreements as a courtesy. 30 days later, well, I mean, couple, like, how can you treat me as a strategic quote unquote, quote unquote partner like that. Now, yes, it's on me. I should have been, you know, but. Well, you know, you know why that's there, don't you? Oh, because they, so that they can say, oh, well, we're, we're, we're notifying you as a courtesy. No. Why? It's worse than that. What's ha what was happening was people were getting a charge going, what the hell is this? Disputing it with their credit card company. Your credit card company, if you're the vendor, you're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Right. They're then saying, you know, so by sending it to you, now that charge appears, you might be mad, but because it happened there, when you see it, you're going to be less likely to dispute it. And it becomes a piece of that, that they can show to the credit card company for somebody who disputes it in the name of customer service. Because if it was about customer service, the courtesy would have been on 923, they would send you letting you know that your auto renewal hits on 927. Yeah. But instead, because they wait the 30 days, they're closer to when the charge comes, which reduces the likelihood that you dispute it. That's why that's happening. And that's where I say, you know, you see a lot of this too. I'm like, look, if you're going to do this, I get you're going to do this. I, like you know, intercom came out and, you know, they're like, they were like the big ones that I, I don't work with intercom, but I saw a number of people talking about the price for their service doubled with no other change. And the email came out, you know, with something along the lines, you know, to benefit our customers, we're charging them double. And, I, and I'm like, you know what, if you're going to do it, do it. But don't tell me you're doing it for me. When you're doing it to me, don't tell me you're doing it for me. Right um, now, the the problem is that you've got this. You have the customer who has an artificial expert. Oh, I remember I said I was working with a hundred million dollar company. Yeah, and and you know we were actually talking to them about about HubSpot Enterprise, and and I think this is back when it was like twenty five hundred dollars. And the person I'm talking to said, "That's too expensive. We can't spend twenty five hundred dollars on that." And I looked at him and I said, "Look, I'm." If you want to tell me that you don't think it's worth $2,500, tell me that. I'll, I'll have that conversation. If you want to tell me yeah. that you think this won't work, I'll have that conversation. But if you're telling me that 
that you're a hundred million dollar company and in the next three to five years, you want to be a $200 million company and you can't afford to spend $30,000 a year for a core piece of technology. Like it's going to be core to everything. Then what, what do you want? I, I get asked to come in and, you know, we need to, we need to transform X because um, we want to grow $30 million in the next two, you know, we're a $20 million company when we a $50 million company. Right. And I, oh, okay, yeah, $25,000 for, you know, to, to facilitate that. Well, we were looking more along the lines of five to $10,000, right? Which, by the way, is what you pay if you want a one-day speaker, Yeah. right? That's a fair fee for a one-day speaker in a, in a general sense. And I look at him and I say, here, let me ask you a question. Who would be able to do this in a way that would materially help, you know, enable you to get, from 20 million to 50 million. So they have the ability to do that and they'd be willing to do it for $5,000. I said, because if you can do that, would you agree with me? It's worth a hell of a lot more than five to $10,000. And I said, so the only people who would do this for you for five to $10,000 are people that can't, they can't, can't, they can't. Are, are either people who are incapable of doing it or people who are too unaware or stupid to realize they should be getting more for what they're doing. I'm not sure which one is worse for you to work with. Right. And so we built in this whole false expectation. And so there is a piece of me when I look at some of the crappy stuff that, that some of these companies are doing, I am saying, you know, Hey, customer, shame on you. Yep. This is your fault. You made them do this because you, you put an artificial value on, on, on what's there. So, all right, well, we, we got a little bit off tangent on, on lessons. Let's do one more quick failure or lesson, then we'll go to predictions. Let's see, what's another? Uh, what didn't work this year? What didn't you think was going to work that didn't work? Um, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll be completely candid about, around, you know, more or less a failure um, on... I had higher expectations for growth. Um, and I think that, I think most businesses every year are, are, are kind of feeling this pain where uh, we didn't put, we didn't put the things in place at the beginning of the year that, that, that we should have. Um, and we didn't follow some of the things uh, we wanted to get much more into kind of a deeper outbound strategy and we never accomplished that goal. Um, so I think, you know, one of our big failures was we didn't grow as much as we wanted to. What's the lesson from that? Cause I might challenge what the lesson you should take from that. Cause I think that's a big lesson for a lot of people. So I'm curious what yeah. your lesson is. Uh, well, one, hold yourself accountable to, 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 to it. Um, two is, is really kind of the, what is the process going to be? And we, we just didn't put the process in place around that. I think personally, those were my two uh, biggest failures. So, so I, I, I share with you that we didn't grow as much as, as we were planning on this year. Um, you, you helped me save Hannah on, on what my, on what my failure was. So I was, uh, I was going to ask Hannah not to get mad, but I can give you, I, I can give you a better one um, that, that connects to a lesson. So we had laid out, so, so Hannah started with us in, um, what was it, June, Hannah, or did you actually start in May? Started in May. Started in May. How about that? It just feels like since see time's fl time flies when you're when 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 you're having fun. Um, and and so I did a really good job of getting everything organized in order. We had our you know we had our ninety day plan uh, for her, and and I'm happy to say I think Hannah, am I right? We're probably going to get about ninety percent of that ninety day plan done in about one hundred eighty days. <laughs> probably right. So I mean, so like we're pretty good. Like that that ninety day plan that we put together. It took it all hundred days was actually really good for 180 days. Yeah. Um, and and we're, again, there's probably still probably going to be about 10 to 15% that we're not going to. And, and so um, we, we do a version of this internally on a quarterly basis. What's the big lesson that we learned? And, and my big lesson on that was, you know, man, these things take more time than I thought they would take. Um, and, and what's interesting is I can look at our 90 day plan and I can tell you that there is no reason that we shouldn't have gotten it done in 90 days 
except that there's no way that it was going to get done in 90 days. Um, I don't mean to laugh, but no, so, I'm, I'm with you. So, so here's the lesson that I got from that. And, and maybe it's because I'm getting older and wiser. I don't know. Um, actually, Rand Fishkin had um, tweeted about this the other day where he's, you know, and you know, the, you know, Rand's whole story where he was all, you know, unicorn hustle, that whole thing. And then it was like, wait a second, where's, where's my life going? Um, literally. And you, you kind of, so like we, we live in this performance is everything culture. Um, a, that's kind of a U.S. thing. Um, you know, it's a U.S. meta yeah. attribute. Then our echo chamber, the group that we're in, becomes even more so. Um, you know, we're, we're in a place where, you know, we talked about WeWork in the past and what a scam that is and was. And the funny thing is, you and I talked about them before it blew up. And then it blew up. But so we knew that it was a mirage, but we were still like, how are they doing it? Right. right. Well, if they can do it, why can't we, you know, and, and, you know, and so I think that, by the way, there is a whole behavioral um, component that when you're planning something, the time and effort it's going to take for you to do something, it doesn't matter how realistic you are, you, you're incapable of underestimating it by about a factor of three to five. It's like, you can't, you can't do it. And it's funny from an outside vendor standpoint, when I'm advising somebody, I can say, look, it's going to take 12 to 18 months for that to happen. And I can't help, but in my world to go, oh, well, we should be able to do that in 90 days. Yep. Right. Um, and that's where some of the unrealistic expectations. Uh, so we well, that, have, that's where they are. That's where they're built. We have, so a lot of the growth aspect, I think, and the path, some of where you found yourself, not all, but some, and, and why this wasn't a good growth year for us. And usually like I would be depressed right now in, in, in a historic, I actually feel really good about where we are. There has been a shift in mindset. Um, we have an eyes bigger than our stomach problem in business and especially in small mid business where growth is, is, is an objective. Yep. And so we put this plan together and it makes, again, it makes all the sense in the world, you know, on, on that plan, but we don't have the resource. We don't have the bandwidth. We, and, and, and some of it, it's not even that we don't have the time, which we don't, it, you know, the bottleneck, the constraints, the pieces that happen, um, it's not properly resourced. And so you said accountability, hold yourself to it, which is code word for man up. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way I treat, my, right. treat myself. But, but what if the problem was you, you gave yourself a 3,000 pieces to solve a 5,000 piece puzzle? Yeah. You can man up until you die of exhaustion. You're never going to solve that puzzle. What, so, so I think, you know, there, you know, the problem is we get into, are you a equity business or a lifestyle business? Right. Oh, you're a lifestyle business. Um, oh, I mean, I had somebody who told me because I'm not willing to travel 200, especially when my son was playing baseball. Um, I, I, I'm still not willing, willing to travel 212 days a, month, uh, a year. Yeah. I'm definitely not willing to travel 212 days a month. Um, they're like, oh, you're not willing to travel. So, so you're running a lifestyle business. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Come, um, come spend a week at my house. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and oh, by the way, just because I want a lifestyle doesn't mean I'm running a lifestyle business. And if I am running a lifestyle business, okay, what, like, I, I, mean, I, I used to get mad if some someone called my business a lifestyle business. Yeah. Um, but then you like, you look at Lyft, right? Lyft's not a lifestyle business and the founders, not a single founder even showed up on the proxy statement because they don't own any of the company. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. How about that? You busted your ass so you can have a good job. Congratulations. Go for it. Um, and so 
what what is interesting is it, it is this idea, and I, I think it's because this year has been about speed versus velocity for me. You've heard me talking about that nonstop, right? And and I think when like I think you I think you had a plan for speed, and I think you need to have a, instead have a plan for velocity. Yep. Right. So you finished this year. You're not where you want it to be, but you're going to be here next year, right? Just keep fighting every day. Right. So, so my point is you missing plan was not existential. So if your plan had been maybe a little bit less, so you could have done more for what the plan was, which gets into that operationalizing, right. And, and, and actually solving it to the next thing. Then, then you'd actually be in the same place revenue wise, but in a better place asset wise. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you take a look at these companies that everyone uses as models for growth. And when you read these blogs and you break them down on the back end, what you see is every one of these companies lost significant amounts of money for the first eight to forever years. Right. And so they, you know, I always say there's three resources. You got time, money, and energy, right? Time can buy, I'm sorry, money can buy time and energy, right? You hire more people, you hire more machines, but you only have a fixed supply of that. And when you go above that, like the problem, I would say when, if I can handle eight things and you give me a ninth thing, I don't screw up the ninth thing. You screw, I screw up the other eight things. All nine yeah. things. Yeah. Right. And so if I had only done seven things instead of trying to do nine things, I'd actually be in a better place. Yep. And so one of the things where I would say like we're, I'm in the process right now of putting our 2020 plan together and I'm actually shocking myself on how my, my model and expectations are changing to be more realistic, which comes in again, let's solve this problem right? Whether it takes me one year to get where I want to go or 20 years to get where I want to go, I'm going to be doing something for 20 years. So I might as well do this and I'll actually get there faster. And this is the thing I've seen as I've begun to study this as well. When you get to that, when, when you begin to focus on that velocity, you, you narrow it down. So it is actually far more achievable. You actually generate that momentum that builds on itself that all of a sudden you focused on less and you actually got more. It, I always thought it was just Zen bullshit, but right. So I would say going into next year, like where, where, where are, you know, where is it now? Like goal number one is make that better and locked in. And goal number two is, um, initiate the thing that will be the focus for 2021 that gets locked in in 2022, right? It, it'll put a number, you know, you probably won't like the revenue number when you do that, but you'll probably end at a higher revenue number, yeah, you know, I, go into 2021 at a higher revenue number. Um, so, and I, so I actually think you'll stimulate more growth because, you know, the mind knows if you're asking it to do 10 things and it can only do eight, it knows it. You can't fool it. Yeah. And so it just doesn't engage in anything. Whereas if you give it six things and it can do eight things, it's going to be going, come on, man, let's get going. Let's get going. Let's get going. And instead of, instead of why am I procrastinating? You're like, how am I getting all this shit done? So that's, I sure that would do. Already, let's 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 move to the wrap up stage. Let's predict. What's your uh, what's your prediction for twenty twenty? Prediction for twenty twenty. Hmm. Business ain't going to get easier. It's going to get harder. One. All right, let me ask you the first question. Are we going to have a recession in twenty twenty? Are we going to enter a recession in twenty twenty? Uh, I I. I don't think so. Um, I'm not, I mean, I don't think 2020. What are your odds? What odds? What would you say the chances are? 50-50. That's a lot. Man. I know. I'm just kidding. You started talking about no, it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because uh, obviously then I'm right, you know. Um, 
No, I would say maybe a 20, 25% chance we, we hit a recession, uh, start a recession next, next year. Now, a lot's going to depend on um, the political environment, which obviously that's, that's happening in 2020, but uh, we won't know the winner of that until, uh, until the end. So that'll be a nice peaceful um, year around that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, well, we, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, there, there's a lot of things happening in the world today. Any of those things could ignite uh, a recession here in the United States. Yeah, you don't have to talk about recession anymore. So I just, I just wanted to ask you that. Um, so go back to your about, Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think um, we are going to see some. I would say probably a lot of uh, consolidation in the uh, technology world or some businesses going out of, out of business. I think we talked about it before. Like I think a lot of organizations are going to be focused far more on profitability than draw at all costs. Um, I think that that will be a theme uh, that we see throughout um, 2020. And as far as businesses or as far as, Seven Senses business is concerned. My prediction is we're going to see email grow as a channel. Um, I think it's people are going to be spending a lot more time and energy around it. What do you mean? Uh, well, again, I mean, so many companies are focused on social, 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 and now that's starting to whip back to hey, let's let's build a stronger uh, stronger email program. It, most organizations created they, they left it to be the bastard child. So I think you're full of shit. Okay. But the reason I also think you're right for what you're saying is because you did a lot of right things this year. I think you're talking to more of the right people. So you're hearing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's interesting. Which, which by the way, you shouldn't be talking to people who aren't looking to be more serious about email. So you, <laughs> you should be getting that read if, if you're not careful. Yeah, but I, I, I don't see the, the play to social decreasing. I see the same... Um, I don't think it's increasing at the same rate, but I still think it's increasing. You know, I think social is easy. It, it, well, it is easy. It, it, so, you're right. Social is being able to sell without selling. It's being able to market without market. You know, it, it's being able to, it, it's activity in lieu of, um, of getting dirty, yeah. right? It, it's the, it's the person who's always planning. And I, and I mean, there's some real social, obviously, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that, um, I think, I think people are getting more confused by email. I think next year people are going to be more frustrated with email. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Cause I think deliverability is going to continue to be an issue. Um, you, you and I were joking earlier today, someone put out this, um, request around a deliverability issue. And it was funny because the way they wrote it was like, they had just discovered something that no one had discovered before. And, and I'm like, um, wait, people send email to. Yeah. And, you know, oh, you mean, you mean if you send a whole bunch of emails at the same time, corporate servers read that as spam? Yeah. No way that that must have just happened. Right. So, um, I think next year, my, my predictions, I think you were a little bit Pollyanna ish personally. <laughs> I think I was a little what? Pollyanna-ish. Yeah. So I think, I think you're going to see companies focusing on increasing price. I don't know that you're going to see more of a focus on managing the business for profitability. Um, and, and, and the reason is I think a lot of these companies that we're talking about, I don't think they're built for profitability. I don't, I don't, I don't think they've hired the people for profitability. I don't think they've, they've got the systems for profitability. Um, you know, if you don't change your, your, your measurement systems and your metric systems, um, you know, if you don't go to your, to your board and tell them that, that we're going to get less growth, um, and, and, you know, by the way, what are all these guys based on? They're all based on logo growth. Yeah. And so if I raise prices that helps, you know, I, I think that price raising is more of a cash flow concern. Um, you know, my, my bet is, is that, is that funders, I don't know this for a fact, but my bet is that funders are being a little less, um, I think the pocketbook's a little less free. And so there's that, wait, we might have to, um, I, you know, we might actually have to hit that financial metric to get the next tranche. 
as opposed to, oh, well, you didn't hit the financial metric, but the logo growth is... It's acceptable, right, so we'll... Right. Right. Uh, you know, da daily average user. Um, our, 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 our Indian click farms aren't working for us anymore. So, you know, I'm the one that, 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 that prompted, let's have a prediction. Oh, oh, here's a prediction. I think that Facebook is still going to be a dominant company, but it's going to explode next year. In what ways? Not that I'm disagreeing or, or, or agreeing with you, but. Well, I think people are waking up to what a piece of shit company they are. Yeah. Can I get to, that'd be awesome if they would sue me for that. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, he has to have some syndrome because I've oh, never he's seen probably, somebody. He, 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 he's, he's either a scam artist, which that's what I think he probably is. Um, no, I don't think he is. If he were a scam artist, he, I've never seen a smarter person who is dumber about things than, than I mean, did you hear their latest? We're going to go away over time. Do you hear their latest on, on political ads? Yes. Well, Mark, that this has not been fact-checked. What? Right? Sheryl Sandberg says, we wouldn't be doing this for revenue because it only represents 1% of our, you know, it represents at most 1% of some, well, then, okay, then, I mean. Then don't do it. A, don't do it. B, there's also all the, so you've got all the data privacy issues that are out. Mm -hmm. You've got all the fact that, you know, I mean, Cambridge Analytica, he knew what was going on um, and they knew what was going on and it was far bigger than they still yet to admit. You've got the California privacy law coming in next year. You've got the French tax law, internet tax law coming in next year. Um, you've got, you've got people that are beginning to pay attention to it. You've got, um, You've got you've got a primary where where Elizabeth Warren um, said to Larry Page, just because you're not there doesn't mean we're not going to hold you accountable. I'm not exactly sure what that means, because even if you do want to, you know, even if the argument gets made to break them up, I'm not exactly sure like what law necessarily they broke that we need to hold Larry Page accountable to something. Um, I'm not even sure. I think the problem with Facebook is I'm not sure what law they've broken. They're just evil. Um, so yeah, that's they're, got, they're finally, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're oh, cashing in on, on. Oh, by the way, they, they, um, they made up um, the, the, the video numbers. You know, all, all those things come to roost. Did you see the Sasha Vera Cohen? Um, yeah. That, uh, he, first off, he's, I mean, I would listen, I would listen to him talk about um, crocheting. It would be entertaining, right? But the way he nailed that, um, and, and, you know, so, so, so you have those things that are happening. And, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is just how much of a dom, like how many things have some aspect of connection to Facebook. So what, I mean, Twitter and Facebook are totally, dis they're distinctly different companies, but they both affect each other. And, and Facebook has that, that bigger wave. I, I think ultimately Facebook is going to have no choice, but to stop allowing, um, political ads. I, I look forward to that day when they, when they do that, uh, this whole micro targeting thing. And even outside of just the whole way things are going about, you know, I, I, I think we've crossed it. There's an awareness level of, of these mundane things. I mean, normal people are talking about data privacy. Yes. Right? Correct. So that's uh, only I think, and I should have brought that up as far as it, and it's not even a prediction. It's, I mean, it's, it's well, happening, which well, is, more and more privacy components are-, are, are, are but, but here's the thing. In terms of what we know about the data privacy issue, I mean, and, and let's add in AI to that. We know a scratch on a pimple on the ass of an elephant. Yeah. That's the percentage of what we know. So once you start learning what's actually happening, man, I, I think it's gonna get ugly. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if you start seeing data regulation moving to a, a HIPAA type um, structure outside of medical records, right? I mean, because it's, I mean, when you look at what these things can do, and it, it's not just predict, but the predictive can influence, it's like, it's not healthy.
Um, so, so that, and that, that has a whole ramification because that's good. Um, I, I think SaaS, so like there's going to, one of the things that's helped SaaS companies and while SaaS companies represent a small percentage of the overall business, you again have a domino effect, all the people who feed and, and, and so forth. What, what technology companies have done phenomenally well is they have been able to maintain this American dream cowboy image that has kept the government off their back in, in, in an insanely big way. And so they've been able to grow without cost of regulation. So like one of yeah, the, well, I mean, part of the problem is the government doesn't understand it. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the leaders don't truly understand it. Yeah. Yeah. There's fairness. Now they're, now they're becoming more and more aware of it, but I agree with you that they, they, there was just a, um, there was a big, like most leaders in the country did not understand. Well, and, 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 you know, that, that, that is certainly true. Um, you now have Mark Benioff who has said, um, hell yeah, we should be regulated. It's, it's insane. We're not regulated. Now, of course, Salesforce is in a position where, where, where they can absorb they the cost of regulation a whole lot better. But, but my point is, and, uh, and you know what, you know, what's interesting real quick, you know what, to call, to call somebody out as much as uh, Benioff tries to do all these nice things because he's rich. You know who Donald Trump uses for his email marketing? Um, probably exact target. Yep. Exact target. He's the only politician that uses exact target. Well, it, that's ridiculous that he's the only po politician using exact target because what politician shouldn't be using exact target? Yeah, well, they, they, they use specialized products. Anyways. But, but yeah, um, but, but again, my, my, my point is having seen what happens in the financial services world, like you, you don't have two people in their garage coming up with a no code medical application because once you touch that, you know, once you touch that rail, there, there's a, a, a risk of data privacy. There's a cost of data privacy. There's, so once that happens and, and all the, I mean, one of the reasons I think Facebook is behaving the way it's behaving is if they had to actually deal with a cost of regulation, especially for somebody, you know, who's publishing content, the, the point being made, they're a newspaper. That's what they are. They, they are a newspaper today. As a matter of fact, they put newspapers out of business. So they are a newspaper. And, and because because this rule got made when, when he was taking pictures, you know, which, which girl is hotter at Harvard, um, they're not responsible for the content on their site. So they can't be, they can't be held liable. So like I can put something on, on Facebook about you and you can't sue Facebook because right. of what I said. Right. Well, that's, um, so, so you start thinking about the, the, the downstream effect around there as data privacy becomes a bigger issue and it has to be accounted for. Um, so that, that's going to lead to a lot of disruption. By the way, on the buy side, it is beginning to be a question asked in the mainstream, right? Which means, I, I was talking to somebody, especially when you get to mid-market and larger companies, Data privacy is going to be the avenue that finance and legal grab their authority back. Think about how much has been sold that finance and legal has been kind of pushed to the side because, you know, we're, times are great, et cetera. Well, this is going to be their place. So, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be more complexity there. Now, I, I don't think that's the end of, but it is going to be like we're in one of those phases where the fish are jumping out of the boat. I'm sorry, the fish are jumping out of the water and everyone's running around. They're falling in their boat saying, hey, look what an angler I am. It's going to be a harder environment. You're going to need a stronger, clearer value proposition. Um, I don't know that we're going to get into a recession, but we're going to, it's going to feel recession. And here's what I mean by that. When the rate of growth is like this, and competition grows to meet it, once the rate of growth goes to that, there's still growth, but there's less growth for everybody. The, the pie isn't big enough to support it. And how many companies are, are built on a growth model that's not sustainable?
Yeah. Right? That's one of the reasons why prices are being raised is like, you know, and, and so those, so now I'm actually excited about next year. I'm actually really excited about next year. I'm actually really excited about a recession. I think we do enter a recession next year. I would put it at a 40 to 50% chance that we enter a recession next year. You have it at a 10 to 20%, even though you said 50, 50, cause you're lame. <laughs> I mean, 40 to 50 from a legitimate one and two and a half to one and two that we enter it. But I do think 2021 is going to be a recession. Yeah. Um, and, but, but again, this is going to feel recessionary. The reason that I'm excited about it is I'm a firm believer that everything that you need to know about how to run a growth business was taught if you ran a corner neighborhood lemonade stand. And the first thing I learned when I ran a lemonade stand when I was eight years old was if it cost me 10 cents to make that cup of lemonade, I better sell a damn thing for more than 10 cents. Yep. Right. Um, and, and the, Oh, isn't he cute? I'll buy his lemonade is good for one glass of lemonade. If you want a second glass of lemonade, you better make the lemonade. That's, that's good. You better do something. Right. And, and so I think that there's going to be more reality in the market. I think that there's going to be, um, I think there's going to be less noise in the market. I, I, I think that you're seeing a lot of things on the Gartner hype, hype cycle that are getting popped enough. I do think like I, I was, you know, predictive intent dad. I was talking to a salesperson that I said, yeah, for the most part, it's, it's voodoo. You know, it's like, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I mean, for the most part, it's bullshit. He's like, I don't know. I use it. I'm like, stop. Right. I'm like, if I'm wrong, why is it at the peak of the hype cycle? Again, that's, that's right. same thing with right. yeah, all, now, all the AI tools and technology. Now, now five, years, five years from now, it may in fact be real. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying it's not a thing. I'm just saying it's not a thing yet. Yeah. And so I think those things, you know, I, I, I think we get more to a place of reality. Um, and so, you know, we're not as bad as we were in 1999. In 1999, you actually got penalized for running your business smart. Um, today you don't get penalized for it, but you have gotten rewarded for running your business stupid. And when you, when you're rewarded for running your business stupid, it's hard to put in the work to do it right. Because, you know, speed to it is, is rewarded as much as doing it right. And I don't mean go slow. Like I'm not, you know, me, I'm not, right, yeah, that. Right, absolutely. But, but I think, so, so I think that, um, I think the people that have busted their ass to build something good, I think the people that have focused on, on, you know, delivering on a promise, I, I think they go back to being rewarded. If I was doing a, um, uh, an investment show, I would say that, that 2020 is when we move back to value, the value investment style play gets rewarded over the growth momentum play. Um, and, um, and so what I would say going into 2020 to take advantage of it, I can tell you at least this is what we're doing. This is what we're telling our clients to do. Focus on a couple important things. And forget about the and, and make that happen. And don't worry about all the other things that you're not doing or what someone else is doing. And, and you'll go into 2021 smiling when everyone else is scratching their head. Yeah. That's my I like point. it. And with that, because we are probably way, way over time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Until next time, go out and do something interesting.